Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. Uh, thank you for joining us online this Easter. I know it's, uh, it's just a strange uh, time right now, and I never imagined that we'd be having Easter online only, but uh, uh, we love you guys, and we're so glad that you joined us uh, this morning, and we're going to have a great, great Resurrection Sunday. So happy Easter, everyone. Um, as we begin today, I want to just get started uh, by uh, just taking the opportunity to worship the Lord through our giving and uh, through our ties. And, and I want to say, before we, even be, before we even start on that, I just want to say a big thank you for all of your faithfulness in your giving. Uh, for those who have been sending their ties into the uh, church or by giving online through the website or through our church app, I just want to say a big thank you for all of your faithfulness because our expenses continue forward. And uh, because of your faithfulness, we're able to meet all of our needs that uh, we have. Uh, today, this week, as I was preparing for the Good Friday service that we had a couple of days ago as well, and thank you for joining us on Good Friday service. Um, but also, uh, as I was preparing for Good Friday and for this Easter message today, um, the Lord was just stirring on my heart uh, to do something a little outside the box, do something a little different. Um, I've been receiving emails, and I don't know if you know this, but we support Convoy of Hope. It's a great missions outreach program where they feed those that are in need. They help with supplies of situations, especially when there's disasters and situations that people are in great need. They actually send convoys of trucks into different areas, and they provide. And we've been supporting Convoy of Hope for years. And uh, I just felt impressed, and I talked to my deacons, I talked to our staff, and everybody was in 100% agreement. Uh, today's offering, our Easter offering, uh, we're going to give 100% of that back to Convoy of Hope. Um, I feel like it's something that we can do where we're going to honor Christ in, in our giving. So today, if you give missions to our, uh, support our missionaries, that's still going to go to our missionaries. But all of our ties, all of our offerings are going to go to Convoy of Hope this Sunday. Let's see what we can do as a community together. How much money that we can raise to give to Convoy of Hope. Uh, send it in to South Coast Christian. Uh, put it in on, on your um, uh, church app. Everything that comes in this week is going to go that direction. And I'll let you know next week what we were able to raise and the check that we were able to send off to Convoy of Hope. And uh, we are a blessed church. And we are a blessed people. And I want to show the Lord how grateful we are for the blessings that he has given to us. And that one of the ways we can do that is to share it with others. Um, we have a special video that we want to show to you today from Convoy of Hope. Um, watch the screen there. I hope you enjoyed uh, that great uh, video of Convoy of Hope, and, and I think it's going to hopefully inspires you uh, to give a little extra uh, this week towards that great need, and, and thank you for your sacrifice. Um, this Easter, like I shared before, is a little different. Uh, I never uh, thought that I was going to be physically separated from the body of Christ on an Easter Sunday. In uh, 55 years, this is my first Easter Sunday that basically uh, I have missed with the community. But we know that we are together in spirit. Now, even though that we might not be together physically, guess what? We are still the body of Christ. 
And as many of you know, we have the opportunity to do something special around the lives of those in our neighborhoods, around those that, are, that we can reach out to on this Easter. And so I encourage you to continue to be the church. Remember, the church is not about walls. The church is you. Um, I want to thank you for those who joined us online for this Good Friday service as we were able to take communion together, communion together as the body of Christ. Today, I was, uh, I've been sharing, I'm going to share a unique Easter message. I usually speak from a scripture that is focused, uh, you know, really primarily focused on the resurrection of Jesus. But I kept feeling the Lord pushed me a different direction this week. And over the years, one of the things that I have discovered is that it is important to obey uh, the Lord's calling. It's important to obey when you feel like God is impressing you in a certain direction because there's a tremendous blessing out of obedience. So today I want to share with you from a passage of scripture found in Isaiah chapter 61. And before Before I begin reading, let me remind you today that Isaiah was a prophet of God, and I want to take just a few moments to talk about prophets and about priests in the Old Testament. Um, The Old Testament had had both prophets, priests, and kings, but the role of the prophets served by representing God's voice to the people. So a prophet would speak for God to the people. He'd speak on their behalf. He was the main form of communication between God and man. By the way, the role of the prophet was not a position that most people wanted to seek out because guess what? It was a tough, tough job. Prophets of the Old Testament were consistently called upon to preach a message of repentance. That was their main message. And the message was usually rejected by the people. And the the way that the people would reject a message that was being given by God, a prophecy, was that by rejecting the prophet. So prophets were many times persecuted. Many times they were rejected. Many times they were shunned. Sometimes they were killed. Have you ever been um, in a situation because I was thinking about what the feeling would be like to be a prophet. It had to be a super lonely road. And have you ever been in a situation where you're in a group conversation and all of a sudden you find out that you're the only one on one side of that conversation where everybody else is in agreement in one area, but, but you're kind of the lone wolf out there and, and you're sharing your thoughts, you're sharing your ideas, and you can start feeling that type of rejection that's coming against you because you're, you have a deferring opinion? Well, guess what? That was the prophet's role so many times that he would come and share a message that was given to them by God, but it was so many times rejected. They encountered persecution. They encountered death. Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping prophet, referred to himself as a gentle lamb who was led to the slaughter. And if that sounds familiar, it's because the, uh, Isaiah the prophet also used those very words to describe Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. The message of repentance was not a widely accepted message, and the most prophets paid a high price for sharing that message. One of the most famous New Testament prophets that we all know about, is, his name was John the Baptist, and before Jesus entered into his ministry, John the Baptist was preaching the message of repentance. And as we all know that John the Baptist, it didn't end well for him as, his, as he was beheaded for his message. Jesus was crucified for the message that he shared. He shared a beautiful message about salvation and, and required repentance. And Jesus, just like the prophets of the Old Testament, guess what? He was crucified for that message. But let me give you a little secret. 
He did not remain in the grave, and we'll talk about that more. In fact, Jesus is referred to in the, in the word of God as the living word. And there could be no greater title for a prophet than the living word. Jesus is even greater than all the other prophets combined because Jesus spoke, all the other prophets spoke of a savior to come. Jesus spoke of himself. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is God in human flesh. In the Old Testament, the role of the priests were to represent God's people before God. So we're switching over to priests, talking about priests that we just talked about prophets. The role of the priests, instead of the prophets where they represent God to the people, the role of the priests was to represent the people to God. And they would be the mediation between man and God. And they were the ones that would offer sacrifices at the temple on behalf of man. Priests were get, used to have, give a voice to the people before God. In scripture, Jesus is referred to as our high priest. Because Jesus represents the needs of the people to his heavenly father. But Jesus is more than just any ordinary priest. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. Because the sacrifice that he made went way beyond the sacrifices that the priests in the Old Testament would make of goats and bulls and lambs. Guess what? Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice by giving his very own life for the sins of this world. His sacrifice is an everlasting sacrifice that never needs repeating. I share all this to present the differences between the role of priests and the role of the prophets. And to recognize this really important truth I want you to grab a hold of is that Jesus serves as both prophet and priest in your life. Basically, Jesus is everything. As I read the words penned by Isaiah, let me, let me remind you that the prophecy given by Isaiah is from the word. And when I say the word, I'm speaking of Jesus. The prophecy is Jesus. The prophecy is about Jesus. And the prophecy is going to be fulfilled by Jesus. This scripture represents prophet, priest, and savior. It's about Jesus. In fact, after Jesus was tempted into the wilderness, he returned to the little community of Galilee and, and he went to his hometown of Nazareth. And on that Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and he had a special message that he wanted to share to the people who were there in the synagogue. Basically, this is his first recorded message and he opens up the scroll and it was a scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read these words found in Isaiah chapter 61. And these words are once again proclaimed in Luke chapter 4, the Gospel of Luke. You'll see that the scriptures are both, where Jesus is referring to Isaiah 61. And, and Luke is recording Jesus reading Isaiah chapter 61 in Luke chapter 4. Jesus writes, Jesus shares these words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be set free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. After Jesus read these words, he sat down in that synagogue and everyone's eyes were firmly fixed on Jesus. They were just waiting. Did Jesus have anything else to say? Was there anything else that Jesus was going to proclaim? Then Jesus spoke these words in Luke chapter 4, verse 21. He says, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 
the people's responses at first were gracious yet confused. They responded that, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't he the guy that, that grew up on 4th Avenue and, 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 and Decatur? Wasn't, that, wasn't he that little kid that kept on running around? And with it? Isn't that Joseph's son? Soon their graciousness turned into anger because after hearing the prophecy being offered, they found out that the prophecy that Jesus was sharing was not just for the Jews, but the prophecy he was sharing was also for the Gentiles. The prophecy was for all people. Once again, just as in the Old Testament, the prophet was rejected. Yet this time, not only did they reject the prophet and the word, but they actually were rejecting the very son of God. In Luke chapter 4, it states that the people of the synagogue turned into a mob and they started pushing against Jesus and they were actually trying to kill Jesus. You can read it for yourself in Luke 4. They were actually trying to push Jesus off of the cliff and miraculously somehow Jesus escapes from the mob. Today, I want to share with you some thoughts from this passage of Scripture. The first thought is this, and that is Jesus is the one who brings good news. He's the one that brings good news. He brings it to those who are humble. He brings it to those who recognize that they have a great need for a savior. They need salvation. The self-righteous will never, ever, ever be able to grab a hold of salvation that Jesus brings because they don't see the need for salvation. The self-righteous will never make it. It's those who are humble. It's the humble, it's the brokenhearted that recognize their great need for a savior. Not a savior who's going to redeem them from the difficulties of this life. But they're looking for a savior who's going to redeem them from their sins. Jesus came for the brokenhearted. If you are in place of brokenness right now in your life, let me declare to you right now that you're the perfect place to receive Jesus. But he came because he came for the humbled. He came for the broken. A while back, a man in our church shared a beautiful testimony with me. He's, he's in his 50s. And he started sharing. He, he would share this to you, so I feel free to share this to you today. Basically, he lived his life for himself. He didn't answer to no man. He basically was uh, a self-made man, basically. But he came to a place in his life where he was broken. He really had nothing left in his life. He came to a place where he was completely humbled before the Lord. And it was at that point in this church where this man met Jesus, where all of a sudden, in the state of brokenness, in the state of humility, all of a sudden his heart was opened up to the necessity that I need says Savior. I need something more than just myself. And that's Jesus, our resurrected Savior. I don't know if you've ever been broken before, but man, it's a humbling process. It's not a fun place to be, but it's in that broken state that our lives can change. Every one of us must come to Jesus in this state in a form of humility, in a form of brokenness. Jesus came to bring the good news to the humbled, to the broken. The second thought that I want to share with you today is this, is that Jesus sets the prisoners free. Pastor Tom, are you sharing that when I say that scripture, Jesus sets the prisoners free, is all of a sudden the prison doors around the state of California, are they going to open up and prisoners are going to be set free? We're not talking about a physical prison. We're talking about a spiritual prison. We're talking about the prison of sin. Many of you feel entrapped right now during this quarantine. I don't know about you, 
But man, I was just telling some of the guys that were here that's helping us do this recording, I'm starting to go nuts. I'm starting to go crazy. This quarantine where I'm trapped, I'm preaching to an empty room. I know you guys are on the other side of the camera. I get this. But man, it starts to just get, it just drives you crazy. And just the, I don't know about you, just going outside now, just leaving the house feels like freedom. I mean, it feels like, man, just being able to take a walk outside. I, I feel like William Wallace or, and you know, when all of a sudden he yells, freedom! And, and I was thinking about that, how this quarantine is affecting all of us. Spiritually, we should have that very same feeling towards sin. We should want to be able to be set free from sin. We should want to have the freedom that Christ offered because see what sin does, it entraps you. It entraps people. It imprisons people. What Jesus is sharing in this scripture is that he came to set the prisoners free. If you feel like you're in prison, if you feel like all of a sudden you are trapped in your sins, if you feel like you're trapped in yourself and you need to be set free, Jesus has come for you. He's died for you to set you free. The devil wants to make a person a slave to self. He wants to put limitations on you and keep you from the potential that God has desired for your life. Jesus' role when he came to earth is to set the spiritual captives free. Jesus wants to break you from those chains of insecurity, from those chains of guilt, from those chains of jealousy, from the chains of selfishness. He wants to set you free from slavery of sin so that you can live fully in him. It's hard to live for Jesus if you're trapped in yourself. I'm going to say that again. It's hard to live for Jesus when you're trapped in yourself. The enemy wants to isolate you and imprison you, but Jesus will set you free from that bondage so that you can experience abundant life in him. The Apostle Paul shares some powerful words in Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. Listen to these words that Paul writes. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The third thought that I want to share from this passage of Scripture is this. Jesus places his favor upon you. The Lord's favor is a reference towards the year of Jubilee. In the Old Testament, there was, there was something that was called the year of Jubilee, and it happened every 50 years. It was a provision in the Old Testament law where debt would be canceled, where slaves would be freed, and where land would be restored. It happened every 50 Can you imagine? All of a sudden, it comes up to the year of Jubilee, 50 years. And all of a sudden, you find out your mortgage has been canceled. Your credit cards, all the debt on your credit cards have been canceled. Your car payment is free and clear. It has been canceled. And even better than that, those things over the past 50 years that have been taken from you, that have been stolen from you, guess what? Those things have to be returned to you now. That's the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee represents a picture of salvation. It represents how Christ can restore all those things that have been stolen from your life. He restores joy. He restores love. He restores peace. He restores life back to the original purpose that he had designed for you, and that was to be his child. He cancels your sins, 
And he begins this, the process of setting you free from the bondage that holds you to sin. He heals your brokenness and he lifts your burdens so that you can fulfill the destiny that he has planned for your life. His favor restores what was lost. Jesus came to bring restoration. He came to bring salvation. And all this happened because he took on what was meant to be our death. He took it on and he became our resurrection. Let's return back to the passage of scripture that I started with today in Isaiah chapter 61. I want to read verse 3 to you because it's a part of the continued prophecy about Jesus. Listen to these words that Isaiah writes. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. This scripture of the Old Testament references the deliverance of Israel from the captivity of Babylon. But it also prophesies about a beautiful miracle that takes place in a person's life when they're willing to hum them, humble themselves, repent of their sins, and place their faith in Jesus Christ. A complete transformation takes place in a person's life, bringing them from spiritual death into eternal life. Throughout the Old Testament, you can find references where people in repentance, they would put on what was called sackcloth and they would sit in ashes and the sackcloth was like a burlap, it was itchy and, and they, would, they would put that on to remember the sacrifice that they're making, they're making in the sense of their sins and they would sit in ashes in humility and they repent of their sins and oftentimes this took place during times of, of, of national disasters, it would take place when there was a fear of God's judgment that was coming upon the land. When Jonah preached the message of repentance to the city of Nineveh, when he came through those streets and he started to repent because the Lord is at hand and he's going to destroy this city if you don't repent. And the people put on sackcloth and they sat in ashes and they repented it and God's mercy came upon that land. When Nathan the prophet exposed David's sin of adultery and murder, at that point David put on sackcloth and he sat in ashes and repented of his sins. In this prophecy, Isaiah declares how God catches thought. He declares these words, how God can bring beauty for ashes. How from a broken and repentant heart, Jesus can perform the mirac miraculous. He brings hope instead of hopelessness. He brings joy instead of sadness. He brings praise instead of despair. I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus doesn't want you to live in your sin of bondage anymore. He wants you to be set free in Jesus' name. Behind the ashes of repentance, behind the ashes of repentance, there is beauty. Behind brokenness, there is healing for you today. It's found in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The beauty and healing that Isaiah speaks of is made possible through the power of his resurrection, through the power of Jesus' resurrection. You see, Jesus is our prophet because he's speaking into your life. He's speaking into your situation right now. He's calling you from death into life. He's the prophet who is calling you to let go of your sins and receive his forgiveness. Jesus is also your high priest. 
He is. Because he represents your needs to the Heavenly Father. Your greatest need that you have in your life is to find forgiveness for your sins. And through Jesus' graciousness, guess what? He didn't offer a bull. He didn't offer a lamb. He didn't offer a goat. He offered himself. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, loved you so much that he gave him heaven to earth and he sacrificed his life on the cross for your sins. That's how much much he loves you and me. You see, all the sacrifices that were offered by man, catch this, all of the sacrifices offered by man ended in death. The goat died, the bull died, the lamb died, and they remained dead. But you see, Jesus, the Son of God, when he offered himself as a lamb of God to be the sacrifice for our sins, he did not remain in the grave. He resurrected again, and he has set us free once and for all because his sacrifice is eternal and everlasting and goes on and on and on and on. Your sins are canceled once and forever. It's the greatest year of jubilee that you could ever imagine because it's a, it's a jubilee that lasts forever. You never have to worry about your sins any longer as long as you keep your faith in Jesus Christ and choose to follow him. Today, man, I encourage you. I encourage you to find that miracle of salvation because Jesus is offering it to you and to me. Jesus' sacrifice was so different than any sacrifice before. It was a sacrifice that came out of that grave and he prophesied it. He said that he would be raised in three days and he was. And now he's our high priest, sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all of each and every one of us. Every time something takes place, I guess he's there with his heavenly Father interceding for you. He knows your situation right now. He knows where you're at right now. And he loves you and he cares for you. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. The grave could not hold the sacrifice, not the sacrifice of the Son of God. Today, I declare to you today that Jesus is more than a prophet. He's more than a priest. He is the King of Kings. And there is no greater power on heaven or on earth than the name of Jesus. The apostle Paul writes these words in Philippians chapter two, verses 10 and 11. He says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is your prophet. He is your priest. He is your king. He is your everything. Through your belief in his sacrifice, sin is broken over your life. Believe it today. Don't just say it, believe it. And through your belief in his resurrection, you have been given eternal life. I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus can bring beauty from your repentance. Jesus is the transformation. Jesus said himself in the Gospel of John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I declare to you today, come home to Jesus. He's waiting for you. 
He loves you. He cares for you. He believes in you. Guess what? Maybe take the time to believe in him today. On this Easter Sunday, as we sit in our homes, as we watch online, it's very different. But why couldn't you right there, in your place where you're sitting, just get down on your knees, say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Set me free from the bondages that have held me for so long. Set me free from myself and let me follow you. I believe if you repent and you ask God, guess what? God is going to pour down his spirit upon you and set you free. And this could be in the middle of a coronavirus, in the middle of a quarantine, this could be the greatest day of your life. That's how Jesus works. He takes the things that the enemy meant for evil and he turns them around for good. Man, I'm Pastor Tom and I love you. I say this at our church on a regular basis. I love you, our church loves you, but more importantly, God loves you. Embrace the love that he has for you today. As we conclude today, our worship team is gonna come back up in just a few minutes, but I wanna pray a blessing over you. I wanna pray a blessing over your homes today. And if, if you're in your home with someone else, man, join hands for just a few minutes. You can cleanse afterwards and get all your disinfectants. I know everybody has enough disinfectants right now. But join hands with me today in your home. And let me pray this blessing over you today. Lord Jesus, I pray right now. Favor, Lord God, upon every family that's watching right now. I pray favor over each person, Lord God, that puts their faith in you. I pray, God, that you would set them free from any bondages that might be trying to hold on to them. I pray, Lord God, there will be a blessing upon their home, Lord God. I speak health over each home, over each child, over each parent, grandparent, great-grandparent. I speak health over them in Jesus' name. I speak against this coronavirus, Lord God. I ask that it die right now, God. Day, Lord God, you would just, you would shut that down. What the medical doctors are trying to do is great, but God, that you have the power to shut it down right now. I pray, God, that that would take place. I pray, Lord God, that you would take what's been lost right now and that you would redeem and that you would restore. Lord God, I pray as people who have our faith in you, Lord God, that our faith would remain strong in you. And Lord God, our trust is not in our finances, not in our stocks, not in our bonds, not in any... Our trust is in you. And God, we know that's where the blessing is at. We praise you today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.